Hello, welcome to Wellbeing. I'm Graham Wilson. We're going to talk today about anxiety, what that entails. Is it genetic? What are the symptoms? What causes it? Can we recognize when it's creeping up on us? All of these things. And we're going to talk to a naturopath about this particular issue and uh, find out what are the natural ways we can deal with anxiety. We've had him on the program before, and it's nice to welcome back Peter Mullen. Anxiety, is it something that affects everybody? Look, it's a, it is something actually that does seem to be, affect um, everyone. Um, it's been called the most common mental health condition in Australia. Um, on average, one in four people, and that's one in three women and one in five men, will experience anxiety at some time in their life. And in a 12-month period, over 2 million Australians will experience anxiety. Wow. It's classified as a psychological condition. Well, actually, that's one of the things that I, one of the big points that I wanted to make today is that um, the term mental health, I think, is very limiting. You know, when we talk about um, anxiety and even depression, you know, from a naturopathic perspective, a person's whole health has a, plays a very big role in what's going on with brain chemistry and, you know, what's being classed as mental health. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I sort of... Um, I think it's easy just to sort of say that anxiety is mental health and for that reason we just need to treat it with um, medically prescribed drugs where in fact, you know, I sort of look at anxiety as being a sign or a symptom. You know, by the time someone ends up with anxiety, a whole host of factors have happened to precede that point. Um, so I see anxiety as a symptom or sign of imbalance in the in the person in their, you know, at the physical, maybe emotional, mental and, you know, maybe their spiritual level as well. So it's a whole... A whole, we sort of view it naturopathically as a whole system symptom, not just that term mental health. Does it present in a particular way? You could say there's a classic symptom of anxiety. Um, yeah, look, the anxiety sort of, again, the diagnosis is based on, on a symptom picture. So if someone's feeling an excessive amount of fear and worry, a sense of dread, catastrophizing, obsessive thinking, um, avoiding situations that make them feel anxious, and the difference, I guess, between feeling stressed or anxious and anxiety is that these symptoms persist to the point of becoming debilitating. I think a lot of people can experience feeling anxious from time to time, but then there's a certain subcategory that go on to develop what's called general anxiety disorder where that nervous system is just turned on all the time to the point that that's really limiting that person's ability to cope and live a life. So like so many conditions, you can have mild anxiety, moderate anxiety, and then you can have real severe debilitating anxiety that you know, basically a person can be housebound because of, of that anxiety. So you know, like a, for so many people to diagnose, you know, that's, that's kind of how I sort of think of it. You know, is it mild, moderate, or that real severe debilitating type response that they just can't function? To describe it then, do we say people are feeling out of control, worried, are there physical symptoms like nausea? You know, what is anxiety when it presents in a person? Well, a- again, it can be quite a wide, wide range of symptoms. And, um, you know, from a, a, a physiological point of view, a lot of the symptoms we get with anxiety, anxiety is kind of like a, a fight or flight response, but on steroids. Okay. So just to explain it in those terms, so fight or flight response, if you're in the jungle, come across a tiger, it's that surge of adrenaline to wrestle the tiger or to climb the nearest tree. Mm. So people with anxiety, so our stress response should turn on hit a certain point, and then our brain should turn it back off again. People that have anxiety, it's kind of like they've broken that switch. Mm. 
So when they get stressed, their stress response turns on. And what that means is a message goes from their hypothalamus to their pituitary to their adrenal glands, and the adrenal glands release a flood of hormones that prepare the body to fight or flight. So Does that make sense? So yeah. it's a chemical response that's being triggered by the person's or brain's perception of what's fearful or, or fear-provoking. Yes. So it's a natural thing. It's there for a reason. Yes. But where it becomes a problem is you don't have ways to handle it. Well, it's actually because they regulate that switch. I sort of explain is that switch gets broken. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where are you and I, and this is all to do with our autonomic nervous system to a certain degree, like that stress response, primitive part of our brain gets turned on. Mm-hmm. Even with us doing nothing, it should then turn back off again. With people with anxiety, it's kind of like they've broken that switch. Mm-hmm. Their stress response gets turned on, but it breaks through the ceiling and keeps going. Maybe as they're starting to settle and, and it's coming back to normal, something else happens again and they're often running again. So it's kind of like with anxiety, like oftentimes we think, you know, there's, it's because of trauma in the past and stress and they all add to the picture of why someone reaches critical mass and then it all goes haywire. Mm. Um, but it's the going haywire is the problem. You know, whatever the, the run-up to it was, it's the going haywire where the nervous system now um, is just so over-responsive to the situation. The, the, your rational brain's looking around, looking for the tiger in the room, but your body, your physiology, is reacting as if you're surrounded by 20 tigers. Mm. So paranoia is a type of anxiety, I guess, in that situation. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. It can, be as a, it can be a consequence of the anxiety. So all of those symptoms we'd expect with that fight-or-flight response can be things like um, chest pain, dizziness, breathing changes often people with experience anxiety will start to hyperventilate and what that does that causes an imbalance between oxygen and carbon dioxide in their blood and will cause smooth muscle to start to constrict so you'll start to get chest pain you might start to get funny sensations around your mouth you might even start to get where your hands are clawing up all to do with hyperventilation due to this perception of that your, your body's under massive threat so for people with full-on anxiety and even you know, patients that I would see, if someone's got really a lot of anxiety, it's really difficult to even get them to try a new supplement. Even if I reassure them that it's perfectly okay, their anxiety or their stress response or their perception of that is so big that they, they can't even bring themselves to trust that what I'm telling them is going to be beneficial. So it's like a broken perception in some respects. Yeah. Because they're so so turned on in to to that high stress level. So I'm getting the impression that it's chronic rather than short visitations of anxiety when it gets that bad. Yeah, yeah. So I'm talking about severe, debilitating anxiety. Like other times, you can experience anxiety. I, I remember in my twenties, early twenties, I think I went through about twelve months of social anxiety. You know, I travelled away for twelve months, and when I came home. Um, any function I was going to, like if it was a it was a party or a gathering, and it was more around people that I knew. Mm-hmm. So if I knew I was going, I'd be really anxious for the first few minutes until I realized, and it took me probably 12 months to get over it, and then it just all seemed to settle down. So that's sort of social anxiety. Um, and then, you know, we've talked about like general anxiety disorder, which is more what I'm talking about, where people's nervous systems are just now turned on all the time. And then post-traumatic stress is a you know has components of anxiety, um, anxiety and depression often overlap as well. So it is 
getting clear about, but at the end of the day, it all relates to um, someone's nervous system that's just way over responding for what the situation calls for. And that's why with someone with anxiety, you can't tell them, you know, just be more positive, calm down. Because to them, it's not that their rational brain's catastrophizing, it's that their physiology is reacting as if they're under imminent threat. So they will sometimes know this is happening to them, but feel powerless to do powerless anything. Powerless to do anything about it because it's like a runaway train. Does it affect women more than men or vice versa? Yeah, look, I think statistically, it's as we said, it's on average it's going to affect or will affect one in four people. Mm. One in three women, um, one in five men will experience anxiety. So it is a little more common in women, it seems, from those statistics. Yeah. Is it ingrained, do you know, within certain societies more than others? I mean, you can look at societal things like the kind of pressure we're under um, and other societies don't put people under that same sort of pressure. Well, look, that's, what, that's what's really interesting with, um, and this is how, back to your um, question before about is it a mental health issue or is it a physiological, it's, it's really a physiological, a whole system physiology that goes haywire with anxiety. And with um, some of the other talks I do around kids' health, you know, one of the questions I ask the audience is, you know, do you think our children's health has changed drastically over the last 20 years? And everybody agrees. You know, kids' health is that much more complex. So symptoms like anxiety, and we'll talk about this a bit more as we go into it, about is, you know, showing up in our kids more as well. But I think this concept of anxiety as a symptom picture or as a, as a condition even I think that's rapidly on the increase as well. You know, like 25 years ago when I first started practice, the idea of mental health, if you actually went to your GP and told them that you were feeling stressed, 25 years ago they would have told you there's no such thing as stress. That's a new age, airy-fairy concept. And, um, you know, that was about it. And you were either prescribed really heavy-duty drugs or you were told just to, you're a malinger and get back to work. Now, if our understanding of mental health has definitely changed, but... It, you know, things like anxiety really is an epidemic. You know, it's it's so widespread now. It's in every, it's in our kids, in our elderly, across all age groups. Um, so yeah, there's definitely been something's happened, and and this is why I think it's our whole health has changed. That you know, we're more prone towards anxiety these days. Does this, that does that make sense? Yeah, like, it does. I, I want to talk about how you look at it from a naturopathic point of view, obviously, but just to tease it out a little more. The causes of anxiety, is there always a component of your perception of somebody else's expectation of you? Going back to the example of you finding yourself socially anxious, was it something within yourself expecting other people to, for you to behave a certain way and you weren't up to it or what? Look, the, the researchers sort of suggest that People with certain personality traits are more likely to have anxiety. Mm-hmm. So people that are perfectionists, like I'm a bit perfectionist about things, a bit anal, control freaks, like the hardest, the worst thing for a control freak, anxiety is the ultimate in feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so certain personality types, like more sensitive types, you know, certain personality types, you know, may never get anxiety because they just don't even give things a second thought. In some respects, like really sensitive people often come from a family line of really sensitive people. So if if, if you have anxiety, then your mum probably had anxiety or your dad had anxiety. So there does seem to be this familial trend. And I guess that comes through with personality types then, being more sensitive to what we perceive 
you know, other people might think of us as well. Yeah. You know, a really big thing with the human condition is one of our biggest fears is we worry so much what we think other people might think of us. Mm. And that's probably life on steroids this day and age with, you know, social media and Facebook and, you know, HST. And, and, and I think what you're saying, like that expectation of, of life having to be so much more these days than just being i've heard discussions around facebook and i'm not singling facebook out because you know it can happen on other social media platforms where people present the best of their lives there and they can become quite depressed because you see the best of all your friends lives and you think oh am i measuring up Um, it's a lot more a lot more judgment and um and it's so quick measurement yeah and i think definitely and getting back to that personality type that really takes to heart what they think other people might think of them I think they're the ones that are more vulnerable towards maybe experiencing anxiety these days as well. Um, the more often your body's in a stress state, you know, I sort of equate what happens with the nervous system. So I don't think with anxiety that it's a little bit like people are perfectly healthy and then their brain chemistry shifts and they develop an anxious stress response in their body. You know, I think it's a progression over a period of time. You know, when you're 20, like our normal stress response might be, say, a 5 out of 10. And what happens for all of us, and this is this constant, unremitting, un- unrelenting pace of life these days, what well, I think what happens for all of us, it's like someone turns the volume up on that car radio. Until now, normal for us, even when we're, we think we're relaxed, we're a 7 or an 8. Mm-hmm. So I think for people that have that predisposition towards maybe anxiety being there, I always say the, the stress has to show up somewhere. And for these people, like maybe anxiety is their stress, is their weaker link that that's when under pressure that's when they're going to pop and that's going to become more of an issue so it's like the nervous system becomes so conditioned to being turned on that you know there's this disparity between what the brain thinks because i'll often say to people how stressed do you think you are out of a 10 and they'll say oh four or five but i can tell from their symptoms that their body's saying it's a seven or an eight or a nine what are some of those symptoms you're seeing majority of patients that i would see these days coming in stress is a major driver um anxiety particularly around migraine headaches Mm -hmm. anxiety or stress particularly can be a real trigger always the gut stuff irritable bowel type stuff um in uh, not that long ago gastroenterologists used to prescribe people with severe irritable bowel used to prescribe them with an antidepressant to try and cut that stress response so gut migraines um fatigue um, sleep disturbances and again sleep disturbance then makes you know a person more prone towards being more anxious as well you know people that really have trouble with um, addictions you know often anxiety can be an underwriting factor with that people that really have trouble sticking to eating healthy you know that are always looking for carbs or sweets or chocolate or overeating um, you know really the the weight gain epidemic that we're seeing you know i i sort of think that stress and anxiety and eating to try and make ourselves chemically feel better is a big driver for why people have trouble managing their weight these days so that stress component and the anxiety component and you know i think is a really big driver for pretty much every health condition that we're seeing you're listening to Wellbeing. I'm talking today with Peter Mullen, a naturopath. So just explain to us the advantages of looking at anxiety from a naturopathic point of view. I'm a big fan of people learning better tools and strategies. Like I really believe people can recover from anxiety. Someone said to me once the first step for them was just accepting the fact that they had anxiety. 
you know, learning to live with it. Because again, for people that really desperately want to appear in control all the time, being anxious is the ultimate in other people really being able to see that. And there's still that perception that, you know, you can't cope with stress, that you're mentally weak. Like there's still a lot of, much as we're more understanding about it, it's it's so much more than that. So for these people that are really um, just to feel so out of control, you know, we know it's not just a mental health condition, like their whole health's involved. I'm a big fan of um, psychologists, long-term talking therapies, cognitive behavioral therapies. Like someone said to me just recently, one of my patients, he said the big thing that he's realized over his whole journey, I guess, with anxiety is that at the end of the day, he had to be the person that was taking on the responsibility for learning how to manage his anxiety. It's like the ultimate health condition in really, at the end of the day, uh, there's only so much that other people can do. You've got to find a way of understanding yourself and really getting to learn what your triggers are and learn how you're going to manage it. It's not a condition you can just go to someone and they can give you a pill and all of a sudden everything's going to be good. And this comes back to, you know, all facets of our health. You know, from my point of view, from a naturopathic point of view, there's five drivers for anxiety. Um, emotional trauma, and that's this is where psychologists and getting help can really make a massive difference. Um, naturopathic, we look at we look at the connection between the gut and us naturopaths call the gut the second brain. So there's a strong connection between good gut. There's more messages go from your gut to the brain than there is from your brain to your gut. So even some probiotics have been linked to maybe being beneficial in helping people to lower symptoms of anxiety and depression. So getting the gut health sorted, which involves getting onto the ideal diet, eating to balance blood sugar levels, um, getting that gut microbiome as healthy as possible that you know your nervous system can start to relax. I've heard too, uh, putting something like coffee in your gut can immediately make you more anxious. Yeah, for some people, well, coffee, caffeine has a half-life of six hours. So if you have four or five cups of coffee a day, or for some people with anxiety, even one coffee, that will turn on your stress response, which is already over-responding anyway. And part of our MAP or model, us naturopaths after the gut, we're very much focused on the liver. And I often talk about the liver as being like a pool filter. You know, when you're 20, 10 foot tall and bulletproof, it's like someone gives you this brand new pool filter. It doesn't matter what you chuck in the pool, the next day it's all beautiful and clean. As we get older, the liver just doesn't filter as well. And this could be part of the tie-in with family history as well. So people with anxiety, you know, often used to be have two or three coffees. Now they have one and they feel jittery and sick. Or, you know, symptoms the liver's under stress are symptoms like fatigue, always waking up tired in the morning, always feeling like you could roll over and go back to sleep, headaches, dizziness, thyroid problems, cholesterol problems, but also mood swings, depression, anger, and anxiety. So if one of my patients comes in with suffering from anxiety, we look at what we can do to take the pressure off their liver. So again, comes back to clean eating, no alcohol, no caffeine, trying to avoid sugar and processed foods and additives. The challenge is people with anxiety particularly can find it hard to stick with diet because they're eating to try and make themselves feel better. But getting the diet as clean as possible for a lot of people will calm their nervous system down. How long will that take, a diet change like you're recommending there, to show results? Um, I would say two to four weeks. You should feel calmer along with a few. Like even things like um, simple things like um, sleep. You know, getting your sleep patterns. A lot of people with anxiety stay up way too late because they often feel better over night time. Mm. But then they're sleep deprived. They're waking up or they're getting then disturbed sleep or they can't go to sleep because their nervous system's too turned on. 
So sleep is a is a um, a major factor to try and get. Again, it's a lifestyle thing, trying to get in better habits, and then nutrient balance as well. So emotional trauma, poor gut health, liver stress, poor nutrient balance. Like so many people with anxiety, um, improve straight away if you get their levels of magnesium up. Magnesium, it's a mineral. It's it's quite um, low in Australian soils. It's it's thought to be low in the general population. But a lot of people with anxiety, if they take magnesium, their nervous system just starts to run at a bit of a calmer level. So there's some really simple things that can be done. Um, zinc is another nutrient that I look at for people with anxiety, particularly when they've got obsessive thoughts going over and over. B vitamins can play a role as well. Um, there's some fantastic herbal medicines that we use that can really help. There was a great study actually done at Monash University and it compared the efficacy of kava. Know what kava is? Is this the um, drink they have in Fiji? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a herbal medicine herbal medicine from Fiji. Okay. But, um, and it was banned in Australia for a while because they were worried about causing um, liver issues. But they it's been approved by the TGA and it's back in the market. Um, and so they did a study down there comparing kava to the families of benzodiazepines like the Valium type family and they found that kava was just as effective in treating mild to moderate anxiety as were the benzodiazepines. Um, So there's a great, from a naturopathic point of view, often, and the thing with anxiety, like in, in a naturopathic approach or treating anxiety, there's the acute phase. You've got to get someone out of crisis mode because if they're stuck in crisis mode, they're not going to get any better. And then there's the long-term recovery. And not just recovering, you know, with anxiety I talk about, you know, um, improving resilience, improving future stress coping. You know, it's a whole process in not just, you don't want to just be symptom-free, you really want to be the best you possibly can and that's kind of the goal. Can you use anxiety in a positive way? That's a really good question. There's two parts to that. Talk about stress first, stress and anxiety. And again, I think... A lot of people might get mild anxiety. So every year I see a certain number of HSC kids come to see me because um, of stress and anxiety, particularly around exams. And I always say to them, look, you've got to sort of accept the fact that like, to be a high achiever, you can't be a high achiever without a certain amount of stress or anxiety to get you there. So I guess in that, that term, it's more recognizing that it's okay to be stressed because it's going to help you get the results that you want to get. And that's part of your personality is to be like that. For someone that has been on the whole process of and journey of, of accepting they've got anxiety, finding their own personal management plan, recovering, becoming more resilient, I imagine that their positive on it would be it's helped them to become the person they have been. But for people suffering from Uh, moderate to severe anxiety as i said before you can be so stuck in that cycle that you can't see the forest for the trees so how do you help people recognize the triggers because i suppose that's part of it isn't it you if you know what's happening to you if you know what's causing you to become anxious you're well armed to start dealing with it aren't you look definitely and um, i think that's that's where talking like talking with a counselor Mm. i think a lot of people uh know themselves better maybe than what they give themselves credit for you know, often asking yourself those questions, you know, what are my triggers and and seeing what comes to you from that, like, is the first step in just accepting that there's an issue there. Because we need to we need to recognise that it is because the nervous system, that stress response has been broken and that's what we have to work on repairing. And just 
it's not a, a, a thing, as we've seen before, that you can just be more positive about and if you just don't worry so much, you'll be fine. Like people saying things like that have never really experienced full-on anxiety where there's no self-regulation because you just you can't grab onto anything. From a naturopathic point of view, it's all about recognizing there's acute care and then there's long-term regenerative improving resilience care. Mm. And probably I'd say in the medical model, there's the same. The challenge with the medical model is that it just very much focuses on using the the stronger, heavier-duty drugs. Now, for people with severe anxiety, those drugs can be life-saving. So in certain cases where there's a... And I'll, I'll see patients that are also taking antidepressants that have a side effect of helping with anxiety as well. And that's no problem to me because sometimes you've got to treat that acute mode for that person's got to feel a little bit better before they can have the wherewithal then to start to be able to help themselves. Mm. So sometimes we will have to go down or sometimes person's already gone down the path of medication. But um, benzo and it may be over-prescription of benzodiazepine-type drugs is possibly going to become a major issue for us down the track if they're prescribed at the first sign of issues rather than trying more natural means first. So naturopathic, we we'd look at getting their mineral base right, getting them onto herbs, herbs like kava, that really can help with that crisis management while we start the process of then long-term resilience and recovering. Sounds good. Just briefly, is there an ideal lifestyle that will reduce anxiety? Um, That's a really good question. I had a a young fellow um, see me recently and he was in a situation where there was a lot of stress at work and he was thinking he was going to have to leave and he was using terminology like, my anxiety was so bad, I'm going to have to stop working. The job's too stressful. I said to him, look, let's try and not leave the job because of your anxiety. Let's take that that concept out of the picture. If you leave the job, I want you to leave the job because it's not the right job for you. You know, we, we don't want to start be using these symptoms as a means of limiting our life or as an excuse, like as a reason why we're not going to, because life is busy, life is stressful, and we need better resilience with that. I think for someone suffering from anxiety, I think part of the recovery is to choose as least less stress for life as possible, which I hear myself saying that and it just sounds ridiculous, but maybe that's part of the process in going through anxiety is we've got to get to a place where we're consciously taking more time to ourselves, where we're exercising, like putting ourselves first maybe more and yeah, a more healthy, wholeful, but a more peaceful life. Uh, learning meditation, you know, as well as counselling, um, learning mindfulness is probably the key for all of us in some respects. Like the best way to help someone with anxiety is when they don't have it rather than wait till they do have it and then it's a lot harder. But for all of us to be, you know, learning meditation, learning mindfulness, consciously choosing to slow our lives down, I think that's a, a good place for all of us. Thanks, Peter. My pleasure. Always good to catch up. Peter Mullen, naturopath in Newcastle. You can find more about anxiety on mullenhealth.com.au. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again. Thanks very much, Graham. You've been listening to Wellbeing. I'm Graham Wilson. Thanks for listening. And all of us at Wellbeing wish you well. <laughs>